hey, when you walked in, things were a little different. Yeah. There were M&Ms on your seats. That was the only difference, right? Yeah. Hey, so we did a little rearranging in here today. Uh, there's a lot of purposes behind it. I'm not going to go into them. You can talk to me later about that. But here's what I know. Probably about 98% of you right now are sitting here thinking, what about communion? How are we going to do that? You guys are so predictable. Here's the deal. If you're to my left, you're right, and you're on the end, right here. Guess what? Today, you're a leader. I have appointed you to be leaders, okay? You got it? If you're on the right side on the very end, raise your hand right now. Look down. Your, come on, raise your hands on the far right. Not you. Put your hand down. You're on the left. This is going to be a... This is supposed to be the smartest and brightest people in the world. All right, let's put the rows back where they were. So, All right, let me show you real quick. This is what's going to happen. You're wasting my time right now. Here's the deal. If you're on the right side, you're going to come out at communion time, okay? And it's just like before. If you're in the front here, you're going to come around this way, and you're going to go up to the front, and you're going to go back to your seat, okay? So everybody's going to go. And if you're in the back, guess what? If you're in the very back, you're on the right side, you're going to lead everybody to the back tables back there. So we've got... For this middle section in the front, we got two sections. We got two sections up there. All right, over here, over here on the far side, guess what? You're going out first. Carson's going to come out. He's going to come out. He's going to grab his communion. He's going to go back to his seat. Same thing in the back. Joanne in the back is going to go back around. She's going to grab hers. It's going to be easy. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Same thing over here. You got it? George, you're my man up here in the front. You're going to come around. You're going to grab it. You go. I can't see who's back in the back corner, but you got to go. You got to grab. It's going to be great. I promise. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There are reasons we did this, and uh, we may go back to the normal seating next week. Because, <laughs> Or do I need to put a paper together that you all have to read, and then it'll make sense. But anyway, uh, we'll have fun with that. But uh, there are reasons we did this, and it fits so much more what we're trying to do here at The Journey. Um, those M&Ms, some of you are eating them, I, I know. Uh, that's, that's okay. We still love you, and, and you're glad you're here. I even got a bag for myself. <laughs> So uh, I figured I was up here, I could get this back. I don't know what you know about M&Ms, but um, people have done research to see what the percentages are of the different colors of M&Ms in each bag. Now, the fun bags that you guys got, the fun size, more than likely that's just trash. So they just kind of threw them all in there, they didn't really care. But the researchers have said that, that here's the deal, that in each one of the bag of M&Ms, you'll find 30% of them are brown colored, okay, 30%. Uh, 20% are yellow, 20% are red, 10% are orange, 10% are green, 10% are blue. I've seen this in a couple of places. It may not be totally true, but we're going to use that for this morning because I want to make a point. The point is this. Those M&Ms that are on your seat today represent your time, your time. They, They represent the time that you and I are awake and I'm going to show you exactly what I, I mean with that because sometimes it's hard for us to, to picture things if we can't see them visually. And so this morning, I, I just want to show you what this looks like for us in our, our time that we are awake during the week. And so first here, let me, let me talk about work. Last week as we started this series, we said that we spend 60% of our waking hours working. In fact, I did a little informal survey on our Facebook page this week. And I asked you, from the time that you leave your house to the time that you get back, if you have a full-time job, how many hours are you gone? 
And it was crazy because the average was almost 11 hours, <clears throat> excuse me, every single day. <clears throat> 11 hours. That's not counting the work we do when we get home, right? When we pull open that laptop and even on the weekends. And so 60% is probably a pretty good number for most of us. <clears throat> so if we took that number of 60% and we looked at work, here's what we would find. If we took brown, <clears throat> which is 30%, and then we took uh, yellow, which is 20%, and then we took orange, which was 10%, those are our working hours right there. And that's a beautiful little connection color there. But, but that's our working day. These are our working hours, 60% of, of our time. But then let's talk about relationships, because I think most of us have some sort of relationships in, in our life. And, and we'll use red. Red's 20%. So 20% of our waking hours are spent for relationships. If you've got kids, we're going to say 10%. Some of you are like, <laughs> that's way off. Um, just for purposes of today, no, that's exactly how much time you spend with your kids. And then everything else, all the other stuff that, that you do, that's blue. That's 10%. Take a look at these M&Ms here. <laughs> what do we see? So much of our time is spent working. And, and yet here's the thing that, that many of us want. We want balance, right? We want balance between our work world and the rest of our life. We want to see some balance between this. And when we look at this, we finally understand there really isn't a lot of balance in our lives. Work plays such a big part of everything that we do. Yet we pray for balance. We desire balance. We want balance. And yet, as we look at something visually, we see that balance may be impossible. So if that's the case, is there a way for us to, in our lives, not focus so much of our time on work? Or, better yet, to refocus on some of these other areas in our life. Well, today we continue this series called TGIM. If you were not with us last week, TGIM means, thank God it's Monday, Monday right? Most of us say, thank God it's Friday because we're excited for Friday. And last week we started, we said, no, what if we were excited for Mondays? What if we were ready for Mondays? Because 70% of us are frustrated with our jobs, which means today, this evening, you're going to have a depressing night because Monday is coming. And so can we change that attitude that we have? Can we look at work very differently because God says, hey, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to bless the people that you work with, but I can't do it when you hate your job. And so last week we began by looking at a passage out of Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. And last week I invited you to read it, to say it, to pray it every single day. Monday, it was cool. Monday evening, I got some text messages and phone calls, or not phone calls, but emails. People were like, Chad, let me tell you what happened. Monday was the worst work day I've ever had in my entire life. I can't help that. I'm sorry. That wasn't my job. I just said, hey, read it, say it, pray it. So keep doing it. Maybe tomorrow will be a whole lot better. But, but our point was if we looked at everything that we did and we worked out with all of our heart as if working for God, it would start to change our attitude and God could use us to bless the people we work with. But what about the other group? When we spend so much time here... Can we learn to bless the people that are important to us, the relationships that are important to us, even ourselves? And so this morning we're going to talk about is there a way for us to, to begin to find some sort of balance between work and the rest of our life? 
But I want to tell you, you're not the only one who struggles with this. In fact, if we look at Scripture, here's what we find. Jesus struggled with this and the disciples. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, we're going to spend uh, our time there this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. Um, If you have your Journey Church app, you can open it up and follow along there. Uh, You can also follow along on our program there and take notes. Uh, Of course, we're going to put it up here on the screen. But Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 30, here's what we read. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Right before this, what we find has happened is Jesus took his disciples. He's like, guys, I'm going to send you out on a business trip. You're going on this business trip, and you're going to teach people what I've been teaching you. And not only are you going to teach them, but amazing things are going to happen. You're even going to, you're even going to do some incredible miracles. And so the guys are back. They're here for this debrief with Jesus. They're talking to Jesus, and they're just telling him, hey, Jesus, man, these amazing things happen. But, but here was the cool part about this whole story. Jesus told them before they left, he said, hey, don't take any cash, don't take any food, don't take any extra clothes. Here's the deal. All you're going to do is trust God to provide everything you need for this trip. And they did that. And so, again, they've come back and they're excited and they're sharing, but they're tired. I mean, mentally and, and physically and emotionally and spiritually, they are worn out. And so they're looking for rest. And Jesus says, okay, guys. Let's go get some rest. But then look at verse 33. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So the place where Jesus and them put in to the boat, when they get into the boat, to the place that they're going, is about a four-mile trip on the Sea of Galilee. Um, unless there's a storm there, it's not really a wind farm. And so it would have taken them probably quite a while to get there, sort of a, at a leisurely pace. But the people where he just was, they knew where the disciples and Jesus were going. Now, for them to get from point A to point B meant they were going to go around on the land, which was about a 10-mile trek to do just that. And so they take off. They go to the place that Jesus and the disciples are going to end up. They take off, and as they're going, they're hitting all these little towns, and people are like, why are you guys running so fast? Like, we're going to go see Jesus, so come with us. So this big crowd starts to build until they get to the place where the disciples and Jesus are. Now, they're trying to rest, right? They show up, and boom, there's all these people. All of these people are standing there waiting on them, and Jesus is like, get out of here. Man, phew, guys, we're tired of being around you. Just give us a break. It's not what he does, is it? Jesus says, okay, they're here. Let's teach them. And he does just that. Verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. We kind of read this and we think to ourselves, you know, the, the disciples are just, they're mean, right? The reality is they're hangry, okay? <laughs> they're hungry and they're angry. 
they started the day thinking, oh, man, we just had this trip, and it was crazy. It was wonderful, but we're worn out. We're tired. We're going to rest. And now they spent the whole day working. And so they're kind of upset. They're like, we're tired of people. We just, we just want them to go away. Jesus, just send them off. But Jesus doesn't do that. Skip on down to verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the only miracle that we find in all four Gospels. At the end of the day, the people are there, and the disciples are like, you got to get rid of them. they got to go find some food. And Jesus is like, hey, restaurants aren't open. The food trucks aren't out there waiting on them. we got to feed them. And so we find that they feed all of these individuals. Now, it says 5,000. There's probably more like 15,000, 20,000 people are there. But again, the day began looking for rest. At the end of the day, they're still working. Verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. You notice what it says there? It says immediately. Immediately. Jesus finally realized. He's like, all right, it's time to take a break. He says, guys, rest. Catch your breath. And in fact, he says, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go and I'm going to rest and I am going to pray. Does that day ever seem like the days that you and I have? We get up and we think we're going to rest. We think we're going to take a break, but then work keeps calling. We think that this is the day that we're just going to relax and chill out. And yet there's work to do. But there's always work to do, right? There's always another email, another project to do, another email or another phone call to make, another text message to send. There's always something else that you and I can be doing. And so on those days that we feel like we're supposed to rest, we find that we spend so much of our time Right here, we find so much of our time spent working. And here's the crazy part. We go on vacation. And we go on vacation. And we put our phone away. We put our tablets away. We put our computers away. We don't let anybody know where we are, do we? No, that's not how it is. We go on vacation and we work too, don't we? I was just thinking this morning, uh, the iPhone came out, I think, in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Um, before that, I mean, we had our little flip phones. But... Um, but we had phones, but, but other than that, we really had no way to communicate. We went on vacation, did we? And if you communicate with your flip phone, it was like $25 per minute, so we didn't do that at all. But now we've got a little computer at our hand, and so every single moment that we're at the beach, we're in the mountains, we're in Italy, wherever it may be that we go, we, we have access to work. And so we, we don't stop working. We keep throwing more M&Ms into our work pile. So balance for us seems kind of elusive again we keep adding to this pile but why do we get to this place why is it that when you and I look at our lives we are so imbalanced here why why does this work pile look so big and continue to grow for us well I think there's four things one is fear we have fear we are afraid that we're going to miss out 
We're afraid if we don't work extra hours and we don't work on the weekends and if we don't work in the evenings and if we don't work on vacation, we're going to miss out on something. We're going to miss out on the promotion. We're going to miss out on the raise. We're going to miss out on our job that they're going to look at us and say, hey, you only put 60 hours in a week every week. That's not enough. And so you're out of here. We're going to fire you. And so fear is one thing that kind of drives us. Guilt is another one. Uh, how many of you in this room are the type of people, by the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed, you don't rest? Like, you're always doing something. You know who you are. You know who you are. You, you're just that. That's just kind of who, uh, how you've been wired, I guess. And, and rest is just something you don't even think about because you're go, 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 go all the time. And, and you feel like if, if I rest, if I rest when it comes to work, somebody else is going to be working. And so if they're going to be working, then I need to, I need to work too. And so there's this guilt that we kind of carry with us. A friend of mine builds uh, airplane engines for Boeing down in Durham, North Carolina. And kind of a side note, his wife's like, hey, you never want to fly with the guy. I was like, why? He said, well, you're up in the air about 35,000 feet. And he looks over at the engine. And he's like, oh, that's not supposed to be doing that right now at this time. <laughs> She's like, it's horrible. Thankfully, I never flew with him because I don't think I'd ever fly again. But anyway, um, in the department that he works for there at Boeing, he's one of the, the point people for them, and they have this open vacation policy. It's kind of become popular in, in some business circles. And the whole idea is you can take as many vacation days as you want throughout the year. Here's the deal. You just got to get your job done. And so if you get your job done, you can, you can vacate as many times as you want. Here's what they have found, and if you read business articles about this, you, you see this is happening in these companies that have open vacation days. What they found is that people actually take less vacation days. Then if you were to say, hey, you got 15 days, people are taking those 15 days. If you say you got limited days, they're like, hey, we're only going to take five. I mean, it's, it's genius, isn't it? People are there, they're working all the time, but why? Fear and guilt. Fear and guilt. I'm fearful I'm going to lose my job if I'm not there. I feel guilty because I'm on vacation and everybody else is working. And so fear and guilt lead us to live out of balance in our lives. Also hiding. Um, for many of us, work is a place we hide. We hide from our spouse. Uh, the relationship is broken. Um, we struggle. We have a hard time communicating. And, and so to battle that, we go to work. And we work longer hours. And not only that, we come home. And, and instead of conversing with the person that we're married to we sit down on the couch and we pull open our laptop and we start to work and like what are you doing it's like well I gotta work I gotta keep working and so we hide from our spouse we hide from our kids for some of the same reasons I mean they wear us out they're they're tiresome or maybe there's a strained relationship there and, and so we work we, we stay at work longer hours we come home we open up the laptop we keep working that way we don't have to interact but we hide from our kids we hide from our past we hide from our experiences. We hide from our decisions that we've made. And, and this is a big one. We keep working because if we stop, we start thinking. And when we start thinking, we start thinking about those decisions and the impact that it has had on us and the relationships in our lives. We, we start thinking about the experiences that we've had. And some of us have had some terrible experiences. And, and so we just work, work, work so we don't have to think. But all we're doing is hiding. So some of us live out of balance because we're hiding. And then lastly, a lot of us work so much because we're superhuman. I mean, let's just be honest. We are, right? In an area like this, we, we can do it all. And so they come to your, your, your team meeting. It's like, hey, we got another project. We need somebody to work on. You're like, yeah, I got it. 
They're like, aren't you on like 13 other projects? Yeah, I can do this too, though. No problem whatsoever. Uh, underneath our pressed outfits and our fatigues, there's superhero capes that we wear. And we feel like we can do everything. And so, again, when we feel that way, when we think we have those abilities, we live out of balance. We work a lot. But it's funny because I love the way that Tasha Urich put it in her book, Bankable Leadership. She said, we actually get stupider when we work too much. We actually get stupider when we work too much. Don't we know this? We're not dumb. We, we get this. We understand this. We live this out. But what do we do? We keep working. And we keep throwing more and more M&Ms into our work pile. And we live totally out of balance. And right now, we're worn out, we're tired, we're broken, we're frustrated, but we don't stop. How can we find some semblance of balance in our life then? How can we get to this place where we have work, but these other areas are important to us too? Well, I think we have to go back to the Old Testament to maybe see some principles that can help us do that. In Exodus chapter 20, we find the Ten Commandments, and one of those commandments is in verse 8. It says this. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We've talked about this one before. For 430 years the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And then God comes in and gets them out of Egypt, gets them out of slavery, and gives them freedom. Now this particular generation that came out into freedom, they had never experienced freedom before. They didn't know what it was like. Because every single day, they were up, they were working, at the end of the day, they were tired, they were worn out, they'd go to sleep, and they'd wake up the next day. And it was the same thing over and over and over again. And God's like, hey, you got to rest. you got to take a break. you got to catch your breath. You have to rest from work. In fact, if you look at the Sabbath commandment, there are some laws that were connected to it. There were 39 activities that were prohibited on the Sabbath day. For instance, you couldn't farm, you couldn't cook, you couldn't clean clothes. Some of you are like, this sounds like a great day. Um, you couldn't hunt, you couldn't build, you couldn't write. You can only walk about two-thirds of a mile. So, so think about that. Just one day a week, guys, like, here is the way this is going to be set up. This is the way this is going to play itself out. Do you know what that would mean? It meant that they worked pretty hard during the rest of the week, but it also meant they had time for rest. And guess what that rest did? It allowed them to build and strengthen the relationships in their lives. They got to hang out with their spouse. They got to hang out with their kids, with their family, with their friends. They got to hang out with God. They got to find time for themselves. And God had to command them to do that. Hey, look, guys, here's the deal. I rested. I mean, I worked six days, and I worked really hard, and I pretty much created all this stuff. And I had to say, whew, I got to take a break. And yet you and I, when we look at our lives, we, we read the story about God resting. We're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. 
We, we read this here in, in Exodus, and we're like, yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea for the Israelites. But, but then we look at ourselves, and we think, but I don't have time. I can't rest because there's so much that I have to do right here. If it was good enough for God, and if it was good enough for him to make a commandment to say, hey, you've got to rest, then I'm, I'm pretty sure it's good enough for you and I to find rest from our work. So that we can strengthen and build the relationships and the parts of our life that I believe are so important. But how do we do that? What does this balance look like for us? Well, I'm going to give you three very, very practical things that you can do. And you're going to hear these and like, I know these things. And I get it. But sometimes we just have to go back and be reminded of the importance of them. The first one is this. Build downtime into your calendar. Build downtime into your calendar. This is a group of type A personalities, right? Type A, except when I ask you, if you're on the right side, raise your hand, you can't do it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. But, um, but we're a type A group. Even if you're a stay-at-home parent, your, your day is planned out, isn't it? I mean, you know what you're going to be doing with those kids all day. Now, it may not quite work the way that you expected it to, but, but you've got a plan in place. It's just kind of the way that we function, the way that, that we work. And, and we're schedule freaks, if we were to pull out our, our cell phones right now and go to your calendar, it's probably going to look like a rainbow, isn't it? Because everything for every single day is color-coded to a specific work or meeting or activity or kid or family member or friend. I mean, man, it's just, it's just a rainbow there. We schedule absolutely everything in our lives. We put it all there. But do we schedule downtime on our calendar? Do we say, hey, I'm going to take a break right here? Now, some of the ways that we can do this is, one, is we can make bacon out of time hogs, all right? I stole that from somebody. I don't know where it was. I apologize to them. But make bacon out of time hogs. Here's what I'm talking about. There are people and there are activities in your life that are just there, right? You're in your office. You're doing work. You're busy. And there's that one person. They come to your office every single day. And it's not just like, hey, let me ask you a question about this project. It's like, hey, let me tell you my life story. You know those people? And even your door shut and it says, do not disturb. They walk in anyway. They don't care. But there's people in our lives at work. There's people in our lives personally. They show up at your house all the time. You're like, dude, I got a life. I mean, I, 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 I got to say no. Or there are activities that we do that, that maybe take away from the relationships that we have. And yet we're always saying yes. Every single time somebody asks us to do something at school or for that club or organization we're part of, we're like, yes, 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 yes. There are people and there are activities that take away from important relationships in our life. And we have to learn to make bacon out of those time hogs. We have to be able to say no so that we can rest. And the relationships that are important. Now, I say that, and a lot of times in the church, people are like, hmm, what's the one area in my life that I can take? Oh, church, that's right. Yeah, I'll let go of that one hour of every single month they ask me to serve. I was so, I'm so busy, I just can't do it. Please don't do that, okay? We like volunteers. We, we need volunteers. It's a great way to invest in, in the church and what's happening. Um, there's other people and activities in your life you need to say no to. And so begin to do that so you can build that downtime into your calendar the other thing is be proactive with your calendar. Again, we put everything on our calendar. Here's what I find. If I put it on my calendar, guess what? I do it. If it's on my calendar, I'm going to make it happen. So how many of us schedule date nights or time with our kids 
or time out with friends. Now, you're sitting there, you're thinking to yourself, I mean, seriously, we should do that? Look, if you put it in your calendar, you're going to do it. And it may seem sort of far-fetched to do that, but I truly believe that it's important that we, we schedule those moments for those relationships and those activities that kind of feed us and that are important to us. As a part of building downtime into our calendars, being proactive with it. We have to be proactive with those relationships that are important. Build downtime. Second thing, unplug. This is hard. I struggle with this. My phone is with me constantly. And you know what? I might be looking at Facebook or reading a Washington Post or doing something, reading a book on my, my, my phone. But there's that email app. It's like, oh, let me just see. It looks like I got another email. And I hit it and I look at it. I'm like, oh, I really need to respond right now at this moment. And we all do that, right? We have our computers out. We have our iPads out, our tablets out. We're doing the same thing. We, we just don't unplug. We used to be able to do this great. We can't do it anymore, it seems like. And so we've got to unplug. Maybe for you, maybe for me, it's, it's going home and saying, okay, we're all home. You're doing homework, kids. We're getting dinner ready. We're going to hang out. Let's take all of our electronics. Let's put them up in the cabinet. Because no, you know what? That email that you sent me to respond to, I can do that in the morning. That text message, more than likely, it, it can wait. And it's the same for you. We have to learn to unplug. And then the third thing I would say is schedule me time. Schedule me time. Schedule time for yourself. Schedule time to relax. Schedule time to catch your breath. Whatever that activity or that hobby it is that you need to do, schedule that time for you. For me, it's exercise. I, I sort of like exercise some days. And, um, and so I've got to schedule it. I've got to put it on my computer. I've got to put it on my calendar. Because if I schedule it, I, I do it. And so I make sure that it's on my calendar three to five times a week. Now, my wife is the same way, Kara. She, she loves to exercise, too. She likes to get up in the morning and go out for a long walk or go for a jog. For me, I don't really care about that. I want to go to the gym. Now, I want to go to the gym, and I want to work out, and I want to spend some time there. That's where I, I decompress. And, and I'm there because I'm decompressing from you. That's why I go to the gym. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not kidding, actually. That's, no, I, it is. It's a place for me to decompress, and so I like to go and decompress there. What is your me time? Schedule it. And again, right now, some of you are like, I don't have any time. I, I don't have any me time. Begin to put it in your calendar. If you're married, talk to your spouse and say, hey, I need you to take the kids for an hour or two. I need to go do this. Here's what Karen and I have found. It strengthens our relationship when we have me time. It strengthens our relationship when we go to the gym or we go work out. We feel better about ourselves. And so make sure you're scheduling me time. We're smart people. I, again, these things that we just talked about, I, I think you, you, you know this. And I think we all know that, that our work, it's never going to be done. There's always going to be more research, more papers to grade, more troops to prepare, uh, more, more speeches to write. There's always going to be something else for us to do. But here's the thing that you and I have to learn. We have to let go of control. Because that's really all this is. This is all about control and what we have said to God is God you can't control my life I am so busy I'm so important I've got so much going on God you do not have the ability to control this and so we go through our life we keep adding and adding to the work pile and when we do that we ruin these relationships we ruin our health 
and the job that we've been putting so much time and effort in, and we think we've been giving our all, hey, any moment they can come to you and say, you're done, you're out. And we could lose that job. And then what's left? Nothing. Nothing. It's all about control. And God's like, hey, I think I understand. I've been there. I've done that. I, I put this commandment out there for the Israelites. I get it. You've got to rest. Let me be in control. Let me control your life. Put your faith and trust in me. Now, you can work hard. You can put time into to your effort at work, but, but you got to rest. And to do that, let me take control of your life. A great example of this for me is um, our, our home we rent in Springfield. Right beside it is one of the Fairfax County parks. And um, it's a wooded area, so people aren't in that particular area. But we get wildlife uh, in our backyard all the time. And so we'll be sitting out on our porch or we'll be sitting in the, in the dining room, you know, eating. And we'll look out and there's squirrels chasing each other. And there's birds, woodpeckers, and lots of cardinals flying into our, our backyard. Um, about a year ago, my wife Karen and I, we were in our bedroom. And we looked out where our air conditioning unit is outside of our window. There's a red fox just laying there in the mulch, just kind of hanging out like, hey, this is my, my domain. Don't mess with it. So we didn't go outside for a couple of days. Um, we weren't sure where it was. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, I, I'm in the kitchen, I'm looking out the window, and there's a young buck in our backyard, and he's just tearing up this plant. I mean, it used to be like this tall, and now it's about this tall. I mean, it was tasty for him. But, but I, I look at all those animals that are, that are back there, and it takes me to this passage in Matthew, one that you may be familiar with. Matthew chapter 6. Here's what it says, starting in verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? These M&Ms are a visual of what our lives, I think, are truly, truly like. 60% of our time is spent working, 40% of these other areas and relationships. And, and as we look about, at it, I, I mean, I, I don't know that balance is actually possible, the kind of balance that we think about. But I do believe that if we learn to rest from work, It'll give us the time that we need to spend in these areas of our life that are so integral and so important that we can focus on these areas, that they can be healthy. And honestly, when this part of our life is going well, I believe we get to the point of saying, TGIM, thank God it's Monday. I'm looking forward to Mondays because I'm in a healthy place with all of my relationships, with my life. I'm finding that time. And now I can put my effort into blessing the world around me. I think it's okay to work hard. But I know it's even more okay and more important that we learn to rest from work. But that begins by us letting God be in control. But that's the question. Are you and I willing to let God do just that? Are we willing to let God be in control of our lives? This morning, I want to pray for all of us as we um, go into this week and as we think about what we've talked about this morning. 
So would you bow your heads as we do this? God, um, this is a group of, of, of hard hitters. Uh, whether we go to work somewhere, whether we work out of the home, whether we're a stay-at-home parent, I mean, we go all out all the time. And a big reason for that is that we just like being in control. But what we find is that we get frustrated with our work, our, our marriage is crumbling, our kids are crazy, our friendships are non-existent, our lives in many ways are in shambles. But that's only because we think we can control every little piece. And so we live out of fear, we live out of guilt, we're hiding, we think we're superhumans, God. My prayer today, though, is that you would help us give up control to you. Let us find rest and peace through you. God, it's okay to work hard. Uh, it's okay to, to put time and effort into the work we do, but please let us focus on those other 40%. But let us work hard by letting you lead us. And so that is our prayer today, that every aspect of our life, as, as Paul talks about in Colossians, Lord, let, let our work, everything that we do, whatever we do, be in your hands. And let us do it well, as if we're doing it for you. This morning, let us find that rest from work. And let us begin to work in the areas of our life that are so important, that are more important. And so, God, my prayer for us this week is that we find rest from work, and we find that rest in you. And bless us through that rest. In Jesus' name, amen.